Welcome to a podcast for the Krakoan mutant era with a distinctly black and queer lens. Every episode has a new guest, a single topic, and a ticking timer. This is X of Words. 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 Kind of consistently, my favorite book currently um, of the X titles. It's just, I love so much how each issue is told from the perspective of one character, mm-hmm. but it's oh, these overarching themes. I love the way he's, you know, woven through the uh, the crossovers without like getting all caught up in the muck. Like, kind of did what was good for the stories and uh, and tied into the the crossovers without getting lost in them. Um, it's just I, I don't know. It's just like I have loved this book from the first issue, but. This issue number eight, I cannot get out of my head. Ah, okay. All right, well, I think that's a nice reason to choose Immortal as our topic. Um, and with that, I'll kick off the episode. And hi. Hello, everyone. Welcome. It sounds like fucking Blue Peter, doesn't it? Hello, everyone. Um, what's going on? You know you know us, you know what it is. Doesn't need a massive intro. Um, today, I've got Arturo back from the wilderness. hey Good to be here. Yeah, to, you know, grace us all uh, with his takes and his presence and all the good stuff that he does. So thank you for coming back. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Um, We got 10 minutes. Now we're trying something a little bit new. Just a little bit new, not too much, because I'm lazy. But basically, these are going to be like more hyper-relevant episodes. So we will talk about questions from the last week of comics. So this week, we're going to talk about Immortal X. Immortal X? That's not even a fucking thing. What is that? Immortal X-Men. There we go. Immortal um, Essex-Men. Never call them that. <laughs> Thank you. All right? Never. That man played with his genetics to make himself more Caucasian. I am never, ever, ever <laughs> going to give them that name. Um, so we're going to talk about Immortal X. Men 8, which was last week's comic. Uh, so, just as a little warning, if you haven't read yet, this is probably going to be pretty spoiler heavy. We're going to do a little bit of a runaround of stuff. So, this is your chance to hit pause, jump out, find another episode that's about a question, you know, that you're probably not going to get any spoilers. For anybody who's still here, I'm trying to speak too quickly. For anybody who's still here, strap in. Hell, welcome. Uh, I'm going to hit our timer. And our X starts... Now, okay, so we're talking today about like the th- we want to we want to make sure that it's not too too wide ranging. We've only got nine minutes, so we're going to talk about the quick history between these three characters: Immortal X Men Eight and Chip in Chip in if, if there's yeah. any bits you want to add. Immortal X Men Eight takes us through Mystique, um, going back in time uh, to try to unlock the mystery of Nathaniel Essex and how it is he managed to live so long. And, and how the, he managed how he managed his first resurrection all the way back then. Yes, yes. Or apparent um, resurrection, I guess we can say. It, yeah, we know he likes a bootleg. Um <laughs> that man doesn't do nothing genuine. Everything from Shane. Like Sheen? Shane? How you say it? Uh who? Shane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or wait. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about Fei Long for a second. Oh wow! Don't worry. It's cool. 
Shame. It was a, we tried. We reached for something. We didn't get it. Um, but yeah, he's he's always doing knockoff shit. Like he never does everything. He does he never does anything right. And Mystique goes back to figure out how he managed to make it past his first Victorian era death. And essentially, it's a it's a gang up of the old British people. Yep. That's a it. Little, yeah, yeah. A little a little trip back to uh, the days of Sherlock Holmes. That was a personal favorite little note of mine in this issue. Like that has been hinted at. I, I don't know how much, how explicitly that's they've gone into that in, in other issues, but it's a thread that's been in the background for a while. And I just love that this was very explicitly like Sherlock Holmes and Watson versus Dr. Moriarty. Yes. Just brilliant. It was it was nice. And as a British person, I like subconsciously cast everybody in in comics as American. And so that issue was a nice reminder that actually, oh no. They're from here. Mm-hmm. And it just changed the way that I hear Destiny and Mystique and Sinister in the comics now. Uh, I'll accept Destiny having a British accent, but I can't accept Mystique having one. I just can't. And why would that be? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I just think uh, Mystique would have would have shed that at some point and just been more. I don't know. I don't know if she sounds American. In my head, she does. I guess. <laughs> you were like, you can take, you can take the gold face lady, <laughs> but you will not be taking Mystique. Well, no, just because like Destiny has such a habit of reading people for filth that that's just made better with a British accent. So it like <laughs> that tracks for me. <laughs> so she does it for the insult, the insult yeah. potential and the insult yeah. potential yeah. only. She held on to that accent just to drag Gambit through the mud. I can see it. Uh, but like to, to sort of wheel us back around to the to the history of everything. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're in Britain and it's, it's fucking ages ago. And it really gives you a sense of how long these three characters have been alive. And also how morbid it must be for destiny to know that you die mm-hmm. for a, a mid, a long middle part of two other people's stories. But, um, thing, what did you think of the misdirects in the issue? I thought it was, I thought it was just fascinating. Like it, seeing sinister, portrayed in this way where it sounded like like he was like mad right like just madness like he was talking too fast he, like the thoughts and the, the, the everything was coming to him too quickly to even articulate and he just seemed you know a little bit nuts uh it's an interesting frame when you think about and he's rambling about the egyptian right so he's talking about apocalypse we haven't seen apocalypse mm. in how long and Apocalypse is still looming large in the background. I love that, right? We saw also Apocalypse in an earlier Immortal with uh, with Exodus. Yeah. So I love that. I love going back into that that history and, and tinkering with it. Um, and then seeing, and, and then when you consider like the different ways that we've seen Sinister, uh, whether as this diabolical villain or this campy Victorian one or whatever, mm. it's like all of those affectations, all of those layers of personality are really because like at his core he kind of like lost what it who he was right like the real sinister has been kind of lost to madness and then he just kind of does these like pantomimes of how he thinks you know he could present himself and like i i I totally agree 
I totally agree. And as you're speaking, it makes me think that the whole theme of this or some of the big themes that I got from it also were like evolution, adaptation and reinvention. You've got Mystique, who's evolving and adapting second to second. And then you've got Sinister, who's evolving and adapting lifetime to lifetime. And then you've got Destiny, who's evolving and adapting like millennia ahead. And it's like they're all playing the same game on different scales. Exactly, exactly. They're playing a long game, uh, but with different ends. I love that we jump through different um, different eras as well, right? Like going into like the the early nineteen hundreds, um, Armogado of it all, and the eugenics, <laughs> and like the the dangerous flirtationship between destiny and and mystique at that point across enemy lines like and destiny basically framing like yes this is all horrible stuff that we're doing but it's necessary work for the you know for the end like the ends do justify the means just hang tight it'll take us about a century to get there uh yeah pretty deep pretty it deep is. and i mean that's that's some that's a hard that's some hard fucking shit to have to make a call on. If you know that you have to sanction or allow a heinous crime to happen in the present to ensure a future, that's tricky. And I think that's that's a narrative that you can only pull through suddenly reclaiming a lot of these quote-unquote villains before. Yeah. Because you couldn't have run that story with gene or scott because they would have never allowed the immediate sacrifice to be made and i say sacrifice and that that's even me like sugarcoating it they they wouldn't allow a uh, a tragedy or um uh, like something heinous to happen in the moment right. to secure a future they'd fight moment to moment to moment to moment and i think like that's why i loved seeing mystique's thing because mystique almost becomes the lens of confusion mystique lives in the same time period we do right. so mystique hand holds our hand through this issue through the confusion and then i love the way that kieran taps on things that we've learned being in the future and contextualizes them in the past so not only do we see the immediate like confusion of mystique but we also having read you know all the other krakoan books understand what uh destiny shooting for Right, it's it's very well done, and then all in that because those are those are two sort of known entities. Then they throw in this big mystery, which is like, you know, how the fuck does Sinister make it past his first life? And um, one of the things that I loved about that issue was just how we thought that Moira was the big secret of the Quiet Council, and every issue he shows us that that's not the only secret by a fucking mile. These, oh no, these little got secrets upon secrets upon secrets upon secrets and what what do you think how do you how does that like unlayering work with you i i just this like i said i mean this is consistently my favorite book uh i love the idea of like a deep dive into individual characters for each issue i just think that's like such a brilliant you know narrative guardrails to use to like focus a story and and like you said to show these layers because like nothing happens in a vacuum right mm. um you know seeing and then just seeing this being teased out like that goes back to like the black womb project amanda Mueller, like that's stuff that like 
here we are in 2022 going back to the black womb project fuck yeah <laughs> okay that's that's the buzzer so we've got a minute and i'll ask you a, a couple of like roundup questions and i know which one i'm going to finish on but number one how much more do you love the destiny mystique relationship oh but my favorite couple in all of marveldom like literally like seeing them go from just subtextual lesbians for literally decades to like married wives on panel a love as you know that spans across the ages like doesn't get better than that in the most fucked up way possible how is it that sitting another woman on fire was romantic how i don't know but it sure as hell was uh i, I fear we've we've been changed forever by these things <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the last one I'll say is, let's talk about the big thing. Who are the other Sinisters? Yeah. Oh, God. I, I fucked you over. I fucked you over. And I know I fucked you over, but I had to, I had to make it the last That's question so That's we didn't take over the whole episode with it. So go for it. Try and, try and give us a pocket-sized... Uh, all right, I, I will say, like, I, I, I've, I've heard different theories going around, um... And and I think that they are all really interesting theories. I think uh, a sinister as Stellaris is a fascinating idea. Um, the sinister that went out to the stars and focused on like cybernetics and and cloning uh, that that would be a, an interesting like little reveal to crack that open. And there's another sinister. Um, I definitely want to see a lady sinister, uh, a, a a mistress sinister. Um, I think that might be in the cards. I don't okay. know. I don't know. And I, I think I think one of the sinisters may be like a character that we have yet to even meet. So it might be like a big, you know, reveal. But uh, I have a feeling that we're going to see like Dr. Nemesis. No, not Dr. Nemesis. What was his name? The one from X-Men. Yeah, Dr. Nemesis. No, but not the, not the Nazi doctor that works with the X-Men, but the the one who had the globe on his head that cracked and yes, yeah, was it Doctor Nemesis? I think it was Doctor Nemesis. Doctor Stasis. Stasis. Doctor Stasis. That's the one. Doctor Stasis. The one. I'm glad like you that, got that right. That was that was like a good you know reveal, and that was kind of like a you know one of your enemies is an is, is actually this other enemy, but I think we might who knows we might have another sinister within you know the the ranks of the X Men. Who knows. So my personal theory, which I've seen out in the wild, and I instantly agreed, was that red lady from... Mother Righteous. Mother Righteous. And I went back, I was like, do I think this is the thing? And then went back and looked at her, and her forehead is always covered. And I'm like, hmm, we know black and red. We know black and red is the whole thing. And then you turn up white and red, doing magic, what? doing shady magic. And I'm like, let's see. She's basically doing like gene splicing of like magical stuff. Like that whole like totem, whatever God that she created. And like, yes, yeah, it's like very sinister, but make it, you know, esoteric and witchy. <laughs> and he was talking that like the mad dying ramblings of the first sinister is where each of those sinisters are gone. Like the space one, the magic one the tech one and we've got we've been watching the mutant one just flourish and blossom into 
a very compelling character this in, in the last year. Like seeing Sinister be such a pivotal character in this like line wide event of Judgment Day was great, you know, and still being an awful self serving mad scientist. Like we're not we're not sure, we're not giving him an anti hero you know, gloss over it's, he's a bad guy who's working with the good guys to advance his own needs. And it's pretty great. Okay. Right, and we're well. getting ready for the age of sinister. The next uh, big crossover, or at least I don't know if it's the next one, but it's one on the horizon that I'm really pumped about. Yeah. That stresses me out. <laughs> that stresses me out. I know we're going to be, in the, we're going to be in the trenches every fucking day over that shit. Yeah, that's true. That's oh, true. Anyhow, Right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here. Arturo, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, everybody else, uh, for being here and listening. Let us know what you think. Find me on X of Words or Van the First. You can find Arturo. Tell them where they can find you. Thank you so much for having me, Ash. This has been a blast. Uh, you guys can find me at Mr. Toy Box on Twitter and Instagram and over at X's for Podcasts, usually talking comics. Hey, all right. So I've been Ash. And I'm Arturo, and this has been X of Words. Someone that choke, someone I fit aside.